You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. All right, good morning, Radiant Church. Good to see all of you. If you're new with us, welcome. My name is Marco, and I am the lead pastor here. Again, like Marcus said, thank you so much for making Radiant a part of your weekend. I want to just highlight a few quick but important things. Remember, three services here for Easter, 8 o'clock, 9.30, and 11.15. Now, I need a favor from some of you, if you're able to. If you're able to, would some of you attend that 8 a.m. service? Okay, here's why. Because the 9.30 one's going to be completely packed. I know it will be, okay? And the 11.15 probably, probably will be very, very full as well. So if you're able to, please do so. I know some of you have little kids. It's really hard. I'm not expecting you to do it. But those of you who maybe are able and have more free time, please join us for that 8 a.m. service. Another thing, we have Easter invite cards. So on your way out, I think there's a table out there. Hopefully, one of the ushers will show you where those cards are at. If you don't, please ask them on your way out. Take two or three of these cards or five of them, whatever. Invite your friends, your family, your foes, whoever you think would come to church to hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ that morning. It's going to be an incredible morning. And then one more quick announcement. That is this, on April 16th. This is the week after, after Easter. Say, after Easter? After Easter. We're, we're going to switch that second service to 1130, okay? Why? Because some of you don't get here on time for the 1115 service, okay? No, seriously. <laughs> seriously, though, we want to make some more time between services. Why? Because we've been experiencing overcrowding. Um, we need more ministry time here for our prayer team to pray with people after that first service. And, and some of you want to have more time to grab a coffee, catch up, and just hang out with some friends. And so we're going to extend that time between first and second service. And on the 16th, we'll start at 11.30 a.m. for an unforeseen time, okay? So mark your calendars. Yeah, you can clap your hands. That's right. And if you are someone who walks in after that first song, well, you're going to be right on time, right? Just pretend like service starts at 11.15 for you, because I know you'll be here 11.45, all right? So, <laughs> all right. Well, listen, church, today we are in part number seven of this message series that we have started several weeks ago entitled Christ, Culture, and Church. Now, if you're new with us, you're like, what is a series? What, I don't understand what that is. It just means where we take several weeks to go through one topic or we go through one book of the Bible. And we're kind of doing that right now with the letter of 1 Corinthians. If you're new to your Bible, listen, don't worry about it. We love you. We're glad that you're here. It's found in the New Testament, and it's written by a man named Paul. Paul was not a follower of Jesus, but he was radically transformed uh, by Jesus Christ. He became a missionary, an evangelist. He started churches throughout Asia Minor. Now, unfortunately, the church in Corinth was a little bit like Vegas on steroids, right? So wild things happening in Corinth, okay? So when Paul writes a letter to the Corinthians, he's mainly writing to bring clarification on what the gospel message is and also to bring correction, 
because they're doing some things wrong. Paul's like, y'all can't do that, okay? That's not going to work. That's wrong. That's bad. Don't do that anymore. So Paul's bringing clarification and then also correction. Now, today we're going to be in chapter 10. Last week, if you were with us, Carter did a great job of talking about spiritual discipline. Yeah, it was a great message. Spiritual discipline. Just like we need discipline when it comes to working out or training, we need discipline when it comes to following after the heart of God. Same principle applies. Let me just get a show of hands real quick. How many of you, and be brave and be honest because you're in church, you can't lie. So be honest. How many of you enjoy working out? Come on, let me see some hands in here. A few of you do. About five, about five of you do. Oh, praise God, right? Five of you enjoy working out. The rest of you, listen, grit your teeth and you do not enjoy it, okay? I get that. I get that world, all right? I, I, I huff and puff just running to my car, okay? That's a workout just doing that. Now, I work out at the Y about three or four times a week. But let me just be real honest with you. There are many mornings where, guess what? I don't feel like it. So I'm driving to the Y, and I'm like, you know what? I don't want to do this. This is not fun. I don't want to work out. I don't want to work on my delts today. I don't want to do squats. And I was like, right? I get into it. Ten minutes into the workout, you know what I say? This feels good. I'm glad I'm here. I'm so glad. I, I love working out. Working out, awesome. I feel, I'm sweating now. I feel great, right? Can I just tell you, though, if I were, I would never be able to receive the benefits of the gym unless I put in, or if, if I would never receive the benefits of the gym if I were always to just listen to my feelings. If I were to always just listen to my feelings, I would never benefit from the gym. Why? Because let me tell you something. It takes discipline at the front end to receive, at the front end of a thing to receive the benefit at the back end of that thing. Amen, church? You have to have discipline up front before you receive the benefit on the backside of it. And the same is true. The same applies to our relationships with Jesus Christ. You can't just wait for you to feel like reading your Bible. You can't just wait for the feeling to come of praying. You can't just wait for the feeling to come to fast or to attend church. You have to make up your mind that I will be in the house of the Lord on Sunday morning, all right? Come hell or high water. And that's the benefit of disciplines in our life. Now listen, Paul's going to take this train of thought, this idea that we need spiritual discipline, and he's going to talk about it some more today in chapter 10. He's going to apply it to the topic that I want to discuss today, and that is the topic of what? Temptation. Temptation. Temptation is the one thing that we all have in common. We're all going to go through temptations. Every single one of us, it doesn't matter where you come from, what your background is, or how religious you are, how religious you are not. It doesn't even matter about that. You're going to be tempted. And all of us are tempted by something, okay, or someone even. And so today we're going to discuss this question. How can we resist temptation? How can we begin to resist temptation? temptation, okay? Whether it's the chocolate dessert for you, the fifth of tequila for some of you, Coors Light, maybe is your thing more like it, marijuana, sex outside of marriage. I don't know what your thing is, but we need to discuss this today. How can we begin to resist temptation? Lest 
we fall, we stumble, and it could destroy our lives even. So this is an important message I want you to dig in. We're going to go ahead and begin in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to read the first 13 verses, church. If you have a Bible, you can get it out. If you don't, it'll be behind me. Please follow along. I would love for you to engage. This is an ancient text with incredible relevance for today. In fact, for all of history, for all of time. Paul writes this. I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors, in other words, those who came before us, Paul's saying, were all under the cloud and they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Jesus is the answer, is what Paul is saying here. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with them, with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now, these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did, okay? Do not be idolaters, as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in what, church? Revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality. That's sex outside of marriage, right? Or same sex. As some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ as some of them did. And what? What happened? Well, they were killed by snakes. You're like, whoa, does this get any better, Pastor Marco? It does, I promise you, okay? And do not grumble, right? Some of you have the spiritual gift of complaining, Okay as some of them did, and were killed by the destroying angel. They're like, whoa, whoa, what's happening here? Let's keep going. Hang with me. These things happened to them as what? Examples. As were written down and warnings for us, on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Paul says, if you think you're all high and mighty and you're not going to be lured into temptation, hey, think again, pal, because you're going to fall. No temptation, here's the good news though, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted for whatever that thing is for you, whether it's a drop of alcohol, whether it's sex, whether it's porn, whether it's anger, whether it's cynicism, whether it's judgmentalism, whatever your thing is, listen, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Good news, God is faithful. He'll provide a way out, but you have to take it, right? We're going to unpack these verses. There's, lot, there's a lot to unpack here this morning, and I'm excited to uh, talk to you today about how to resist temptation. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we love you, and we thank you so much, God. Father, I have a sense today that someone's here by divine appointment. I just have an inkling. The Spirit of God just gave me that. Someone is here this morning by divine appointment. I don't know who it is, but Father, you know, and that's what matters, God. That's what matters. Father, would you draw all men and women to you, Lord? Would you open blind eyes? Would you soften hardened hearts? For some of my brothers in here and sisters today, life has been hell. Life has been hard. And because of that, God, their hearts are hardened. So Holy Spirit, I'm asking, would you be kind? Would you soften hardened hearts. Would you unlock deaf ears so that we might be able to hear the gospel, Lord? 
Father, we just surrender everything to you, and we pray that you would move powerfully by the preaching of your word, God. Uh, Lord, that you would convict, that you would encourage, that you would strengthen today, that you would heal, God, physical bodies and emotional health, God. Lord, once again, draw people to you, to your son, Jesus. We are expectant of what you will do today in this house, God. Do miracles, God. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen, amen. Well, you, you may have seen a popular video circulating around the internet or YouTube, and the video is entitled, Kids versus Cookies. Kids versus Cookies. So here, let me set up the scenario for you of this video. It's pretty funny. There are, I think, five different kids, and they're in a room, and they're sitting at, it looks like a, you know, a, a table. An adult comes into the room, and there's, a, of course, a video camera rolling, and the adult says, hey, I have a sugar cookie for you on this plate, and it's yours to eat right now if you wanted to, but if you'll just wait a few moments, when I come back, I'll be gone. When I come back, if you haven't eaten this cookie, you can have two sugar cookies, and so... The facial expressions alone on these kids' faces are worth the watch, okay? So here, the adult comes in. He presents the child with the sugar cookie on the plate and says, I'll be back. He doesn't tell them when he's coming back. He just says, I'll be back. And again, if you haven't eaten it, you can have another cookie. So the first child looks at it, and he's just kind of doing this number. Right? He's, he's thinking about it. What am I going to do? The second girl, she is like distraught. She's doing this number. Like, what am I supposed to, to eat the cookie, to not eat the cookie? If I eat this one, it's going to be great, but I could have another one, right? She's just like, you can tell. She is torn, right? The next child looks at the cookie. It's presented in front of him, and he starts to poke it. He's like laughing. He's poking the cookie, right? Uh, the, the, the fourth child is hilarious. He gets the cookie, and he licks the cookie, okay? He's like, no one said anything about licking the cookie, so I'm going to lick it and at least taste the sugar, and I'll still get a second cookie. Now, the fifth child finally waits about 15 seconds and then just says, you know what? I'm taking the cookie. And he just eats the whole thing right in front of him, right? Now, eventually, the video goes back to the first child who has waited so faithfully. And the adult comes in and says, hey, you didn't eat the cookie. That's great. You can have a second cookie to the total, utter delight and joy of this child. He now has two sugar cookies to enjoy. Now, I love the video because it's comical, it's family-friendly, but I think there's a more serious topic or more serious lesson to be learned behind this video, and that lesson is this. What will you do in the face of temptation? What will you do in the face of temptation? What would you do? Maybe another question is this. How will you respond to temptation when you think no one is looking? Now, in reality, we know this, but it doesn't always matter. We know that God is always watching, but for some of us, psh, we could care less about that, right? What will you do in the face of temptation, and what will you do when you think no one is watching you? That's the question I want us to look at this morning. Oscar Wilde is quoted as saying, I can resist everything except temptation. Maybe you feel the same way about temptation in your own life. I'm sure your temptations are more serious than a sugar cookie, right? But the same principle applies here. 
The thought of what we do when faced with temptations is really an important one to make because here's what happens, church, is throughout our lifetime we make decisions, but here's what happens, then our decisions make us. So we make decisions, but decisions make us. So what we will do in the face of temptation is very important because it answers the question of what type of life do we want to live? What type of life do we want to live? Perhaps for you this morning, your thing is like chronic shopping, chronic online shopping. You're known as the queen of Amazon or the prince of Amazon, right? And every other day, there's a brand new package on the porch and your spouse is like, okay, what did you order now and where is this coming from, right? Like, and meanwhile, you are itching to just buy something new. Every other day, you're on your phone and you're putting things in the cart and you're going into debt to buy these things. Maybe for some of you, it's a lot different. It's sexual in nature. It's sexual in nature. And so you, you see that image of that girl on the screen or that woman and she doesn't have much clothing on, or you see that guy, or he's at work, or she's at work, and when you, when you see her, your heart starts to race, and then your mind starts to wander, and you know that you're having thoughts you shouldn't be thinking. You're married, you're in a relationship, you shouldn't be thinking these lustful thoughts, and now it's led to some destructive habits. Online viewing, if you know what I'm saying. And if your spouse found out, it would be devastating to them. It could destroy your whole marriage, your whole family. Maybe it's even worse for you. Maybe you've already committed that sin. Maybe you've already, you already dove into that. And now you're just trying to earn your trust back. But it's a very, very slow, slow process. How many of you guys know it takes a lifetime, listen, to earn trust, but you can break it in one moment? It takes a lifetime, it takes years to gain a person's trust, but you can break it in one moment. You want to change, you really do, but you keep giving in to the temptation. For some of you, it's food or some sort of drink, maybe alcoholic drinks or beverages or food, right? Now, I joked about the sugar cookie, but for some of you, this is actually a, a way more serious issue, right? So every day after work, you drive right by those golden arches. You drive by Domino's, and, and you're triggered. You're like, man, I got to have, have the fries. I got to have the large Coke. So four, five, six times a week, you're getting the large Coke, and you're getting the pepperoni pizza. You're, you're coming home, and your wife has food, and you already, you already downed like eight slices, okay? Now, you might not think it's a big deal, and it's kind of a laughing matter, but if you look back on your timeline on Facebook, Facebook is always good at reminding of you of this, right? They'll pull up a picture from the past. It's like, whoa, I've put on like 20 pounds in the last 18 months. And your spouse looks at you and just says, hey, honey, I love you, but you, you got to get a hold of this thing. You, this is out of control. Please get a handle on this. I don't want it to end up in a heart attack. I don't want it to be cardiovascular disease. I don't want it to be death. Please, I beg you, do something about your drinking problem. Do something about your food problem. It's going to kill you. 
please, honey. And, and your spouse is pleading with you to change, and you feel trapped. You, again, you want to change, and you know you should not be drinking. You know you shouldn't be eating, but it just keeps pulling you in, pulling you in. And every single time you fall back into temptation. This is what happens to many of us, right? To many of us. I once heard Pastor Greg Laurie say, temptations come in attractive packages. Isn't that the truth, church? Temptations come in attractive packages, right? And so as we look at chapter 10, Paul is using the story of Israel and their wanderings. And he's basically saying to the church in Corinth, listen, Everything that's been written about in the past with the children of Israel. Now, for us believers, that would be in the Old Testament and like the book of Numbers and the book of Exodus and the book of Deuteronomy. You can read about the nation of Israel coming into the promised land. Paul's saying everything that was written, listen, is for us. It's an example for all of us today. And Paul is essentially trying to what? Apply Israel's lessons to Corinth. He wants to apply Israel's lessons to Corinth. Paul says everything that was written about our ancestors is so that we can learn from them, so that we, will, so that we won't fall into the same temptations as they did. Now, I think it's interesting because Paul lists four of those temptations that the children of Israel fell into. He says this, idolatry. Idolatry is when you worship anything that's not God. It's when you have this affection for whatever it is, it can be a boyfriend, it could be a girlfriend, it could be a car, whatever it might be. Idolatry. Then he says this, sexual immorality. We know what that is already. We've talked a lot about that. So prevalent in our culture, so prevalent in the church, unfortunately, as well. Right? Sexual immorality. Paul also talks about this idea of testing God, testing God, and then finally complaining or grumbling. Paul says, listen, just because... The children of Israel went through a religious experience. doesn't mean that God was pleased with all of them because they did these sins. They dove into these sins sort of head first. And listen, Corinth, if you guys don't heed from the warnings that were written for us, you're going to fall into the same temptations. And church, the same is true for all of us today, right? If we don't heed the warnings of Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, what's going to happen? We're going to fall into temptation. We're going to stumble. We're going to sin and God wants to keep us from that. Now, here's what I want to do with the remainder of our time. It's going to be very practical today. I want to give you, as we start out, three things that we can learn about temptation, and then three practical tips that we can apply to our lives to resist temptation, okay? So three things we can learn about temptation. Let's start there. Number one. Number one. Where am I at here? Here, I, here we go. Number one. You'll never outgrow temptation, but you can grow from temptation. You'll never outgrow temptation, but you can grow from temptation, right? The idea is this, is that no matter how old you are, no matter how long you've been following Jesus, no matter how spiritual you think you are, no matter if you speak in tongues or don't speak in tongues, no matter what kind of spiritual gifts you might think you have, listen, that, that, that doesn't even matter because the idea is we have a very real spiritual enemy and his name is the devil. He's the accuser. He's the tempter, okay? So listen, no matter how old you are, no matter where you're at with your journey in Christ, listen, you're going to be tempted. It's just going to happen. It will happen inevitably. Every temptation does prevent us with an opportunity for failure. That's true. However, 
Every temptation is also, listen, church, a possible victory for greater intimacy, greater dependency upon the Lord, right? You can grow from your temptations. You'll never outgrow them, but you can grow from them. You can grow from them. Number two, giving into one moment of temptation may cause suffering for the rest of your life. This is real important. Here's the sobering reality of number two. It may not only cause that for you, but it may cause suffering for the ones who love you most. Can we be honest about that? It's not just you. You're like, well, I, I can die, and I, can, I don't care. I don't care if I live. But you're, who are you leaving behind? A wife, children, coworkers, family members, people who love you, right? One moment of giving in to temptation may cause suffering for the rest of your life. It could cause death. We know this as well. What do we mean? Look at verse number 8. It says this, we should not commit sexual immorality. And then notice Paul is going to give the consequences for the, uh, the Israelites giving in to temptation, as some of them did. And in one day, Paul says one day, 23,000 of them died. He says it was just like God executed judgment on them is what happened. We should not test Christ, as some of them did, and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble or complain or murmur as some of them did, and were killed by the destroying angel. What is Paul trying to do here, you guys? Paul's trying to say this. Hey, the stakes are high. The stakes are super high. Like one moment of giving in to that lustful thought, one moment of giving in to that drink, one moment of eating that food, one moment of anger, listen, could destroy our lives for good, could destroy our marriage. We could lose our kids because of this, Right? I mean, the stakes are high, and Paul's like, listen, I want you to be warned. One moment could end up in disaster. Finally, number three, you're not as strong as you think you are. You're not as strong as you think you are. I'm not as strong as I think I am. Let this be a sobering warning for all of us. You're not as strong as you think you are, and I'm not as strong as I think I am. Verse number 11 and 12 says this, these things happened to them as examples and were written down as a warnings for us, on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall, right? If you think that you're not susceptible to temptations, Paul says, think again. You're being prideful. Think again. You see, all of us have a tendency have a tendency to think, hey, I'm good. Like, it's not, I, I, it's fine. I can have one drink. I can have that. I can do that. I can look at her for just a few seconds. I can be with him alone in the bedroom. I can go over here with those people. And, and it's fine, right? All of us have a tendency to think, I'm not going to do that, right? It's not me. That might be that guy over there. That might be that family over there. But I, hey, I, I'm good. Like, I know myself, and I, I'm not, I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to fall into it, right? But the truth of the matter is that Jesus says this, that the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. Selena Gomez, she's already saying it too. The heart wants what it wants. Right? The heart wants what it wants. And when we get our minds and our flesh fixated on that one 
thing, that one drop, that one look, that one lustful thought, that one whatever it is for you, okay? So it can be a million things. Listen, there's something that rises up inside of us like, oh, i got to get that right now. Ooh, and you think you're strong, and it's in that moment that we fall. Paul says, hey, be warned. you got to humble yourself. You're not that strong. Well, how do, how do you know that, Paul? Paul says, you've already proven that, okay? You've fallen into this before, and it won't be the last time. The Greek word for temptation is the word parazo. It's the word, the word actually means this, to try, to test, or to tempt. And I want to say this, while the devil wants to tempt us to do evil and to sin, here's what God does. God uses our temptations as a test of our faith. God uses our temptations as a test of our faith. Notice that I didn't say that God tempts us to do evil. Scripture is clear that God does not test us to sin or tempt us to sin. In fact, James 1.13 says this. You can put it on the screen. He says, when tempted, no one should say, hey, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So if we find ourselves in a moment of weakness, we can't just say, well, well, honey, God tested me. He was trying to tempt me to do that. You know, no, no, God wasn't tempting you. It was the evil one tempting you to sin and to fall and to ruin your life, perhaps. Here's what I want to do with the rest of our time today. I want to give you three practical steps now, okay, three practical steps that you can take, that you can apply today to resist temptation, and no one is exempt from this. Not even myself. No one is exempt from this. Whether you're online, whether you're here in the room, listen, this applies to all of us, okay? Three practical tips you can take. Number one, if you find you're tempted, you can do this. You can cry out to God to prayer. Cry out to God in prayer. Now, I know this sounds like the obvious one. That's because it is the obvious one. But listen, nevertheless, it's very important. Cry out to God in prayer. This is the way that David prayed in the Psalms. This is the way that actually Jesus prayed in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. And we'll go to that in just a few moments. But listen, in Psalm 19.13, I want to read that to you. It'll be on the screen. David cries out and he says this, Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then, he says, then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. What is David saying? He's saying, God, keep me away from temptation. Keep me away from sin. Like, keep your servant away from those things that I just, I just want to dive into. I just want to jump into. I see, the, I see the, the pepperoni pizza, and I can't just have one slice. I got to have 14 slices, God. I can't just have one drink. I got to have 14 drinks. God, keep me away from, from sin. God, keep me away from those temptations, right? This is, in fact, the way Jesus prays in Matthew chapter 6. He says this, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, let me be clear. Jesus is not implying that God is tempting us to do evil. That's not what Jesus is doing here. Jesus is actually praying that we would be free, that we would be safe from the enemy's tactics, from the way that from the lure of our adversary, okay? Now, parents, if you're in here this morning and you have some little ones at home, even if you don't have little ones at home, maybe you have some big ones at home, okay? I don't know. But if you have little ones right now, parents, let me just speak to you for a moment. You get this. You get this. 
How many, how, how many times have you been to Kroger, you've been shopping somewhere, you've been at Target or Kohl's, and you just, parents, you just know there are certain aisles you need to avoid. Can I get an amen? Okay. Amen. Even a child confesses this, okay? The Lord has drawn near to you, dear child. There are certain aisles, parents, you need to avoid. Why? Because you, you turn down that aisle, and what is it? It's like toys, just and their eyes grow big. <laughs> Mommy, Daddy, I need that. I need this. I, oh, oh, he had, that boy at school has that, Daddy. I need that too, right? And you're like, oh my goodness, why did I turn down this aisle? And you're looking at your wife like, didn't you know the toys were down this aisle? Well, oh my goodness, right? And they're just like, daddy, can I have it? Mommy, can I have it? Mommy, mommy. And you're like, you already know. You already know Dave Ramsey, Dave Ramsey lives in your house. You got a budget, right? It's like, the answer is going to be no, no. And you're like, no, 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 no. And you got different pitches of no's. No, 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 right? It's like a it's like a chorus, an opera, right? And you're just saying, no, no, no. And then you're pulling into the checkout to buy the things that you actually really do need. And what is happening in, what is it? What is happening with your family? There is a nuclear meltdown happening, right? Just like, and, and everyone's looking at you and they're like, you need to get your kids under control. Come on. I mean, what do you, just buy your kids the candy bar. Come on. What are you doing? Don't you know how to parent? You're just like, don't judge me, right? Don't judge me. You don't know what it's like. And so listen, can I, can I just say, this is, this is the heart of David in Psalm 19. Don't put unnecessary temptations in front of your children, right? Don't do that. Parents, you know this, and if you don't know it, you better learn it today, okay? Goodness gracious, you're going to have a spoiled, entitled brat, okay? You don't give your kids everything they want because that would be bad for them, okay? Amen? Okay. That's right. Just like God doesn't give us everything we want when we want it exactly how it is, because we're not God. He is. He knows. He's a good father. He knows. And so listen, we don't dangle a carrot or a Twix bar in front of our kids, okay? We don't put unnecessary temptations in front of them. Why? Because it will cause them to stumble, okay? It will cause us a nuclear meltdown. And this is the idea of point number one, that we cry out to God, that we begin to ask God, God, keep me from willful sin. Keep me from these temptations that I so easily fall into. God, you know me. Please keep me from it. The second tip I want to give you is, uh, is known as this. We're going to call it this. Step away from the line. I have this piece of tape here. Put this line here. Okay. So I've got this blue piece of tape here. This represents a line. On the other side of the line is sin. This is sin. Okay. On this side of the line is not sin. What do we so often like to do when it comes to sin? We like to see how far we can get, how close we can get to that line without sinning. We're like this. Oh, 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 I didn't sin. Oh, 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 right? Pastor Marco, what can I get away with and not it be sin? Can we make out? Can I put my hands in certain places? I mean, her clothes are still on. My clothes are still on, right? And we're, we're, we're just kind of, we're, we're towing the line, right? How far can I get? I don't think I'll fall. I really won't, right? And what we should rather be doing in reality is putting some distance between us and that line. We should be way over here, actually. We should be creating space. So I like to say this. Sir, step away from the line. 
Ma'am, step away from the line. And most of us are like, no, 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 but I like the line. The line is fun, and I want to flirt with the line. And she looks so good, Pastor. He looks so good. Mm, mm, mm. And that thing, and that, ooh, I want that. Ooh, that's yummy. Bless the Lord, I want that, right? And so we're trying to justify whatever it is that we want, and we're, we're getting as close to the line. But Jesus' message when it comes to sin is actually the opposite, okay? It's not get close to the line. It's create some space, step away from the line. In fact, here's what Jesus says. Matthew chapter 5, verse 29 and 30. He says this, If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. This is the words of Jesus. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Now, what does Jesus mean here? Because some of you are like, you're, you're already offended. Jesus is using what we know as, it's called hyperbolic language. Hyperbolic language. It's a literary term. And it means this. It's dramatic exaggeration for the point of emphasis. Dramatic exaggeration for the sake of emphasis to make a point. So what is Jesus' point after all? Here's what Jesus means. Whatever causes you to sin, you must do whatever. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, whatever, extreme measures, absolutely, Jesus says, gouge your eye out, right? Cut your hand off. Whatever it takes to remove it from your life. What's causing you to sin? What's causing you to stumble, right? Let me just give you some examples. If social media causes you to become cynical and judgmental, listen, just delete it. That's enough. Just stop dealing with it. Stop pretending that you can go there. I, 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 I'll be honest with you, I can, I can rarely go there on Facebook. I just can't do it. I just, it just, it, things come up in me that are not godly, and so I, I don't do it. Rarely do I do it, at least for Facebook. If there's a website that you know that you, there are some attractive women, not, many, not much clothing on them, you get the hint here, okay? It's not that you're just not going to visit it. You're going to have to tell somebody about that website, put some safeguards on there, or use your laptop only in places where everyone else can see what you're doing. Well, if your thing is alcohol, you better not have beer in your refrigerator. Okay? Well, why? Why can't I just have one? Because you know you can't have one. And everybody knows that in your household, okay? Whatever it is, you have to take extreme measures. Well, that just seems old-fashioned, Pastor Marco. Hello, what does the word just say to us? The word says it's better for you, listen, to go to heaven, to be in the kingdom of God without an eye, without a hand, rather than to end up in hell, rather than to end up dead. How serious are you going to take it? How serious are you going to take it? And some of you are like, ah, that's not that big of a deal. You're, you're, you're fooling yourself. Pastor Marco, it's not that. It's, 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 it's not really a thing, though, for me. It's, it's just, you're lying through your teeth, Okay. The Apostle Paul says, you're not that strong. If you think you are, listen, you're, you're going to fumble. You're going you're to fall down. So rather than flirting with the line, rather than saying, how, how close can I get to it? You know what I mean? It's like, oh, whoops, my pants fell off and we had sex. Whoops. It's like, your pants fell off. Really? I didn't, whoops, my he undid my blouse. Oh, how did that happen? Wow, I don't know. who knows? I don't know. You knew, okay, why? How, how did you know that was going to happen? Because you were flirting with the line. You were right on it. You were saying, how far can I get before this goes south? And let me just tell you, if you're thinking like that, it's already going south. 
So the, the idea here, church, is this, is step away from the line, right? Step away from the line. Finally, listen, number three, don't just resist temptation, run from it, right? Don't just resist temptation, run from it. The classic stories with Joseph, uh, Genesis 39, says this, one day he went in, in, into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants were inside. So guess what? They're, they're alone. She caught him by his cloak, Potiphar's wife, and said, come to bed with me. And she's not just saying, hey, would you come make the sheets and fluff the pillows? That's not what she's talking about. Just, just in case some of you are like wondering, oh, that's nice. She wants to make the bed. No, 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 no. Come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand, and he ran out the house. He was like, I am out of here. Here's the story. Joseph in the Old Testament is a servant to a powerful Egyptian uh, ruler. His name is Potiphar. Potiphar's wife has the hots for Joseph. So Potiphar's wife has been coming on to Joseph, and she wants him to sleep with her. Now, up to this point, Joseph had been successful at turning her sexual advances down. But it gets to a point in Genesis 39 where she's like, you better come here, boy, right? And she grabs him. And I want you to notice, I want you to notice, listen, that Joseph doesn't say, hey, you know what, we, we probably shouldn't be doing this. And, you know, he doesn't have a conversation. He doesn't reason with Potiphar's wife. He doesn't even calmly walk away. Joseph's like, just books it, just like, boosh, like, I got to get out of here, right? Now, something tells me that Potiphar's wife herself, she was a bit of a looker, like she was a good-looking woman, okay? She's cover girl, you know what I'm saying? She was on the magazine covers, I mean, um, you name it, right? She was gorgeous. Why? Why do I think that? Well, I think that because I don't think if, if, if she was ugly, if I can just be honest here, if she was ugly, Potiphar, I mean, Joseph, I don't think he would have had to run. He would have just been like, get away from me. Right? I think she was good looking. She was attractive. And Joseph was like, I got to go. Like, because the heart wants what it wants. And the heart so often, listen, I know it's been redeemed in Christ if you're a Christian, but so easily our hearts get steered in another direction. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how long you've been serving Jesus. I don't care what your scenario is. The heart wants what it wants. Here's the good news, church. Let's go back to verse number 13 in 1 Corinthians. Paul says this, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. Can you say this out loud? God is faithful. Yeah, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Isn't that good news, church? No matter what temptation comes your way, no matter what test comes your way, no, no matter what trial, listen, that God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He will provide you a way out. But guess what, church? You have to decide to take that way out. Some of you, he's giving you a way out and you're not taking it. Why? Pride. You're stubborn. I'm fine, Pastor Marco. It's going to be fine. I, it's great. It's going to be good. I, it's, we're good. We're good. Listen, don't let pride deceive you. Don't let pride deceive you. The Lord is trying to give you a way out. And this message might be another barrier, another safeguard, a, a piece of the grace of God for your life. This message just might be that for you. So if you, if you heed the warning, if you listen to the warning, listen, you'll find refuge, you'll find safety, you'll find life. Because he'll give you a way out. But some of us, we're choosing not to take God's way out. So what are we going to do when we're faced with temptation? We're going to, number one, we're going to cry out to God. 
God, keep your servant from willful sin. Let them not rule over me. Then I will be innocent and blameless, right? Innocent of great transgression, David prays. Jesus says the same thing. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. We're going to pray. We're going to ask God. God, I'm in a moment of weakness. We're going to do number two. We're going we're to step away from the line. We're going to step away from the line. Rather than flirting with sin, rather than seeing how close that we can get to when sinning, we're going to step away from the line. We're going to put some space between us and that line of sin. Why? Because we're so weak? Well, actually, yes, because our hearts are so prone to dive into the things that are not good for us. Finally, number three, here's what we're going to do. We're going to run, not just resist. We're going to run, not just resist resist. Joseph doesn't have a conversation with Potiphar's wife. Joseph doesn't reason with her. Joseph hightails it out of that room. He's got to get out of there. Why? Because he knows, listen, he knows that any moment later he could fall into sin. He must not just resist. He must run away. He must run away. Church, let me ask you this today. How does your spiritual enemy attack you? How does your spiritual enemy attack you? And you probably already know the answer to this. If you don't know the answer, you can think about it. You can ask the Holy Spirit to show you today, and he will show you because he's faithful. I want you to become aware of the areas in your life where you are vulnerable. Is it sex? Is it porn? Is it pride, right? For some of you, it is pride maybe, right? It's pride. And when someone asks you a question, you play that role like, I already knew that, and I know the answers. You're, you're Mr. Know-it-all. You're Mrs. Know-it-all. Pride has seeped into your life. And the problem with pride is that everybody sees it first, and then you see it last. You're always the last person to see pride. Maybe the enemy tempts you with just a prideful disposition. Maybe for some of you here, you're using your disappointments to justify your disobedience. Let me just... Speak to the heart for a moment. Some of you are in here this morning and you're using your disappointments to justify your disobedience. Well, God didn't do what I wanted him to do last year. God didn't show up for me in that way. God didn't fulfill his end of the bargain, Pastor Marco. And so, you know what? I'm just going to do me. I'm just going to do what I want. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to do, I'm going to fulfill my appetites, my carnal appetites. You know, God didn't show up back there. So, you know what? I don't... Who needs him? I'll do what I want. And you're using, listen, your disappointments to justify your disobedience. Can I just say, don't do that. Don't do that. You're going to end up in a heap of trouble. You're going to end up with destruction on the other side of that. Do you compromise your financial integrity because you just love the stuff more than you love God? Maybe you're not, you're not generous because you love the stuff more than you love God. You can try to blame someone else for it. You can try to Blame whoever, but really it's a hard issue. It's a hard issue. Don't fool yourself, right? Do you lie to other people to make yourself look better? Do you gossip about other people behind their backs so that you can look like the good guy and they can look like the bad guy? And maybe you're thinking in your head, I don't really do that. But when you call someone else and say, can you believe what she did? And she's did that, and she's that, and she did that, and blah, 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 blah. And what are you, what are you doing? You're, you're gossiping to make that other person look like the devil, and you look like an angel. And then you're building a camp around that, and you're causing division within the church. And then you bring that in the radiant church, and we wonder why there's backbiting and fighting within the house of God. 
Do you find yourself giving in to the temptation of being judgmental and overly cynical, overly critical of everybody, right? You, you just, there's some Christians, unfortunately, they just view everything through the filter of negativity. I'm talking about Bible-believing, Christ, you know, Christ-following people filter everything through the filter of negativity. Everything's a bit, you, you got you to nitpick. You got to find what's wrong with everything. Listen, can, can, don't do that. You're, you're giving in to Satan's tactics when you do that. Do you find yourself giving in to lustful temptations over and over and over again? Do you find yourself being a lukewarm Christian? Maybe at one point, maybe there was never a point. Let's be honest. <laughs> For some of you, maybe there was never a point you were passionate about God. I don't know. I just felt like the Holy Spirit gave that to me. You were never passionate about God. My question is, do you know him? Do you know him? And if you have backslidden, listen, will you come back? Will you return to him? Will you come back to Jesus? But maybe you were lukewarm. It seems like you don't even care in the season that you're currently in. Are you compromising your faith with your friends? In other words, you're living this double life. You're one way with your friends over here, and you're a totally different person when it comes inside the church. You're compromising your faith when you're with your friends. I want us to come to grips this morning, church, with the truth. And the truth is this. We're not that strong. <laughs> We're not that strong, okay? I'm not that strong. And there's going to be a moment in your life when you're vulnerable. And for some of you, it happens often. How do I, how do I know if I'm vulnerable, Marco? Here's how you know. Here's a few signs. You're tired. You're angry or you're upset at someone. You're hungry. And you're lonely. And when you find yourself in these situations, guess what? Guess who comes knocking? Knock, 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 knock. It's the devil. And he says, hey, I know you're hungry. Hey, I know you're I know she's not meeting your needs sexually, so guess what? The girl at work, is she's uh, smiling at you every day, and it's the guy over here, whatever that is. Hey, the money is not a big deal. You deserve, you deserve it. You deserve the money, so just take it. Shh. Don't say anything to anyone. It's going to be fine. You, you deserve, you've worked hard for that. You don't need to be generous. You don't need to give that. You don't. You can take it. It's for you, right? And we, have, we find ourselves in these moments of vulnerability where the devil comes to knock. Church, let me just say this as we get ready to close. I want to say this. I want you to decide right now that you're going to honor the Lord. Decide right now. Pre-decide that you're going to follow Jesus in the moments of temptation. Why right now, Pastor Marco? Here's the reason why. Because when you're vulnerable, you probably won't be able to resist. But I want you to decide right now, okay, I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to give in to that temptation. There's too much at stake. I got to pray. I got to step away from the line over here. Okay, I got I to run. So would you just decide right now, before temptation comes, because it will come, would you decide right now that you'll honor the Lord? As we close this morning... I want you to think of an area, listen, I want you to think of an area where your guard might be down. 
I want you to think of an area where maybe you're most vulnerable. And for all of us, listen, that's different for all of us. It's different for all of us. I want you to ask the Lord, Holy Spirit, would you show me where I'm most vulnerable? And he will show you today. He will show you where perhaps you need to put safeguards in place to protect you and protect your family. Are you here this morning and maybe you're saying to me, well, Pastor Marco, I'm far from God. The reason I'm not passionate about God is because I was never close to God in the first place. The reason I'm not close to God is because of my family. They were, they were terrible examples when I was growing up. And, and, and no, no, no. Okay, you can explain it all you want, but here's the deal. Today, will you come back home? Today, will you come to Christ? Will you give your life to him? You can know him personally through his son, Jesus Christ. You can know God personally. I'm not talking about just knowing a lot about God. I'm talking about knowing him yourself. Maybe you're saying to the Pastor Mark, you have no idea what I did last night. It was wretched. I'm so ashamed of myself. I'm disgusting. Why would God want me? Can I just tell you, he wants you more than anything. He wants you more than anything right now. Listen, I know you've tried to convince yourself, listen, that you are not touchable. But listen, he wants you right now. The devil would say you're used baggage, you're used goods, you might as well go end it right now. The devil would say that you're just a waste of time, you're a waste of space. But God would say to you, you are mine, you belong to me. And the decision is yours. Today, will you come back to Christ? How do I do that? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to acknowledge that you're a sinner. Acknowledge that you fall short of God's standards. Number two, I want you to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the sinless Son of God, that Jesus went to the cross on our behalf, and that three days later, he was raised from the grave, and he's coming back. He's returning one day to this earth to get his bride and to make all things new. And finally, I want you to confess your need for a savior. Confess that you can't save yourself. Confess that no matter what you do, you'll never be able to save yourself. You'll never never be able to pick yourself up by your bootstraps. You'll never be good enough, act moral enough. You'll always fail. Confess, Father, I need a savior. I can't do it. My religious works, my religious activities are just like filthy rags. Confess, humble yourself. Hum, come on, humble yourself today and say, I need a Savior and it will change the rest of your life. I promise you. I promise you. I want to pray with you. The prayer team's going to come up in just a few more moments. We want to pray with you wherever you're at in your journey with temptation. Whether you've given in, whether you're far from God, I don't care. We want to pray with you. There is hope in Jesus Christ, church. There is hope in the mighty name of Jesus. There is hope today, and you won't find it anywhere else. You can look to every alcoholic drink. You can look to every drug. You can look to every sexual experience, and I promise you, you'll never find it. There's only hope in one name, and his name is Jesus Christ. Listen, will you surrender today? Will you surrender to Jesus today? Today's your day. Listen, some of you are here by divine appointment. You've been cutting yourself. You've contemplating suicide. Someone here today is contemplating suicide. Today's your day to come to the altar. Today's your day to come to Christ for him to save you. I want to pray with you right now. And then I'm going to dismiss you. The prayer team will be up here. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for just the work that you're doing in our lives and in our heart right now. Lord, forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of giving in to temptations. Forgive us for believing, God, that we, that we can do it, that we can do it all on our own, that we're strong enough. Lord, show us we're not strong enough, God, that we're so easily able to, to give in, Lord. 
Father, forgive us. We come to you and we know that at the foot of the cross, there's room. There's room for us because there's mercy, there's grace, there's one who's paid the penalty of sin and his name is Jesus. And we thank you today. We come running to the cross, not because of our own good deeds or works, because we know, we confess that we need a Savior. We need a saving. We, we cannot save ourselves. And so, Father, forgive us. Help us to see the errors that we fall short. Show us, God, where we are vulnerable, Lord, and call us back home today. Father, for those who are far from you, Lord, forgive us of our sins, Lord. We believe that you are the sinless son of God, that you died in our place at the cross of Calvary, that you rose three days later, that you're coming again, and that you can give us new life right now in this moment. Jesus, receive those individuals today who are making a confession. We thank you for your powerful work, Lord. Come and set people free today. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Let's clap our hands today for Jesus this morning.